Hi everybody! During the months of March and April, we are highlighting the work of Rios to Rivers in our community effort to showcase organizations who are working towards social justice, environmental action, and more inclusive public lands. Rios to Rivers inspires the protection of rivers worldwide by investing in underserved and indigenous youth who are intimately connected to their local waters and support them in their development as the next generation of environmental stewards. Founded in 2012, Rios to Rivers programs have connected 234 underserved and indigenous students from 20 endangered river basins in seven countries. The programs have included students and community leaders from 21 indigenous nations. Rios to Rivers envisions a world in which youth who are intimately connected to their local waters and tribal communities are equipped to become the next generation of passionate leaders for healthy rivers and communities. Make monthly charitable giving a trend in your life in 2024 and help to support Rios to Rivers this March and April. Visit the link in our Instagram bio for more information. Hello and welcome to Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. And if you're joining us for the first time, Trail Mix is the short format episodes of our show. While our long format episodes explore one hiking trail and one national park, one park at a time, Trail Mix allows us to dive deeper into things we didn't get to cover in the long format episodes, including things like interviews, history, science, and environmental justice. That's right. And this Trail Mix is all about birding in Big Bend National Park. So Mike, we're going to start this Trail Mix with a game. A game? Yes. <laughs> a game? Oh my goodness gracious. I was actually genuinely surprised oh by that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. We're going to start with a game today. Okay. Well, I haven't read the script yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with a game today. Great. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. All right. The game is, um, <laughs> what bird are you? And um, we have to sign each other a bird. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yes. You're assigning me a bird. I'm assigning you a bird. What bird are you? What think about all the birds you know, and then if you had to give me a bird, <laughs> I'm laughing because of I'm um, I'm curious what this answer is going to be. I already have mine for you. Well, I mean, I feel like that one gets tossed around a lot for me, so I'm curious if it's what it typically is. It's not um, what it typically oh, is. Oh, so not a barn owl. Um, no, no, great job. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for you. Let's see. What kind of bird are you? Hmm. Yeah. What's your bird personality? You're fastidious. You are a hard worker. You are glamorous. You are meticulous. I think you might be a magpie. A magpie? (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. And also like a member of folklore, Mm -hmm. if we will. There's like some story about a magpie right mm. i don't know that story at this time <laughs> but i know there's a story but she's about a dark a girl she could she be like she could be a lady crow if she needed to be mm-hmm. she's not but no um you could be a crow because i know you love them so magpies typically collect shiny things mm-hmm. and like builds like i believe nests from there yeah and like so i feel like y- they're they're meticulous. They're fastidious. They're they're hard workers. They're like willing to like go the extra mile to get what they want. Great. So great. I put a lot of deep thought into you that. You did. Mm-hmm. I put less deep thought into great. my answer for yeah. you. <laughs> it mostly came out of title. You're a common pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> no, this bird is a bird you can actually see in Big Bend National Park, and that is a flammulated owl. Oh, see, it's still an owl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still an owl because mm-hmm. we're not. We can't really leave the owl family for no. you, I don't think. No. 
No. Mm-hmm. Um, but a flammulated owl, flammulated means On like fire. <laughs> literally like has sh- the shape of fire. Oh. So this owl is actually, it's small enough to like fit in your oh. hand, but it has giant eyes and it mm-hmm. looks like this. <laughs> when it's, That's when it, like, me. barrels uh, down yep. into you mm-hmm. and it's, um, and yeah, it's a little flammulated owl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, for this flamer, and it makes a lot of sense. They're cute and it's <laughs> just like me. <laughs> Let's start with birding. Sometimes this term is associated with another term, bird watcher. While bird watching is the term that has been around a long time, birding emerged as a term to be more inclusive for folks who engage with birds beyond simply watching them. Birding is essentially any kind of intentional engagement with birds rooted in learning and trying to get to know more or understand. Birding can include listening to bird calls, feeding birds, and researching birds. What is important is that all of this is rooted in curiosity. The things that connect any group of people to a common interest is curiosity and questions. And questions are at the heart of birding. For example, what bird is that? What is that bird call? Where is that bird call coming from? Do you see that nest? I wonder what kind of bird lives there. Also, why are all the birds chirping right now? Why is that bird all by themselves? Why are all those birds together? Why is that bird on a power line rather than in a tree? If you've thought any of these questions or questions similar to this at any point in time, then you have participated in the first step of birding. Similarly to hiking or engaging with the outdoors, birding can sometimes feel like it requires a lot of equipment. But in actuality, it doesn't. There are some pieces of gear that can be helpful, and there are some pieces of gear you may already have or may be easily accessible. If you are interested in seeing birds a little more up close, then a pair of binoculars can be quite helpful. I do have a pair of binoculars I take with me on the trail, thanks to my best sis over here who got me some for my birthday a few years ago. Thank you. You're welcome. Along with binoculars, another helpful tool is a birding guide. Some guides have birds divided by region, color of feathers, or classification. There are so many birding guides available. Some even come with checklists and life lists inside of them that you can fill out if you're interested. I do keep up a life list. The birding guide that I have, I have a few birding guides. You gave me a birding guide, which is great. They're divided by classification. I found another birding guide just for New Jersey, and mm-hmm. that's divided by color, and that's really fun. We I do got like that it at, when they uh, do Washington. That. Where did we get that? In Morristown. Morristown. Yeah. At the Morristown National Battlefield. Historic site. Yeah. Historic site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. But now we have stumbled into levels of birding. Okay, so I remember for a very brief period of time when I flirted with veganism, um, I read a book that outlined all the different levels of engagement with veganism from eating no meat and dairy to eating no meat and dairy plus no animal byproducts, including honey, to eating no meat and dairy and also not wearing clothing that is derived from animals. So just like there are levels of veganism, there are also levels of birding. Birding is similar and you get to decide your own level of engagement. There are some professional birders who record often and constantly get data on bird populations. There are some birders who are working on identifying the birds in their neighborhood. Regardless of where anyone falls on the birding spectrum, all of these people and everyone in between are part of the birding community and would be considered birders. Two phone apps that have emerged from the birding community that have kind of taken center stage when it comes to bird identification is the Merlin app and eBird neither of which are sponsors. Let's start with the Merlin app. Okay, so if you've ever been in a store or a restaurant and a song is playing and you want to know what that song is, a lot of people will get out their phone and open up the Shazam app, press the button, and then it will tell you what the song is. 
The Merlin Bird app works very similarly, but with bird sounds and images. So if you're out and about and you hear a bird, you can open up the Merlin app, press the sound ID button, and then Merlin will report back what bird that most likely is. It'll do the same as well with an image. So if you've taken a picture of a bird that like is fairly clear, then you can share it with the Merlin app and it'll tell you what it thinks it is. You could also take a picture in real time if you happen to take a photograph like while the app is open and the bird is right there, you could do that. It's also great at identifying multiple birds making sounds at once. It will also save all of your sound recordings, like some of these. That's an osprey. It's up there in that tree somewhere. And then we've got a Pacific Slope flycatcher and a Swainson's thrush. Wow. Hi, girl. Where are you at? eBird is another app that has emerged as a helpful tool, both developed and created by the Cornell Lab. The eBird app allows you to track and identify in real time. For example, if you are headed out to a nearby park, you can open up eBird and click Start Checklist. Then the app is going to provide a list of birds in the area based on your geographic location, and you can click and record them as you see them. So if you end up passing about 16 different crows, three blue jays, a cardinal, and 10 pigeons while in the park, you can just click and record them as you see them. In this way, we act as citizen scientists who are helping to track bird populations. Another great feature of eBird is that you can see birding hotspots in your area and you can see what was recorded. So if you're interested in seeing one particular bird and you see that a few people have recorded it in a particular spot, then you have a place to go to see if you might see it as well. Okay, so where are you on your birding journey? Well, I've slowly been um, siphoned (laughs) Kool-Aid. (laughs) <laughs> um, from you because now I'm like oh look at that bird over there um, one thing that you do that I hate is when we're driving and you're specifically driving and you're like oh what bird is that and I'm like oh my god eyes on the road <laughs> mm-hmm. but I do it too now <laughs> you do it too now right it's not great. <laughs> no it's not because we should all be safe drivers mm-hmm. right yeah. I definitely did that uh, specifically did that when we were in Big Bend like mm-hmm. on the way to Big Bend mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when we exited, you were like, I can always tell when you get um, car anxious with you, car anxious with mm-hmm. me, which is usually around when I see a bird. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't have binoculars. I don't have the Merlin app or eBird downloaded, but I do have um, a human application that's sitting across from me that does most of the work for me. Do but I do- am beep. in... I. <laughs> But I am inclined now, like I definitely take more notice to birds as I see them. And I can, for the most part, identify a pretty good amount of common birds that you might see in the area because of you. Ah, Mm -hmm. look at that. (laughs) So what birds are in your neighborhood? We've got some starlings, some European starlings. We've got some grackle. We've got some jays, some common grackle, Mm -hmm. not the elevated grackle (laughs) that we all (laughs) hope to be. Um, We've got some blue jays. Um, I haven't really heard any crows, but I'd imagine they're about. Then we also see like turkey buzzards. You do have... 
you do have crows around here. Yeah. You mean turkey vultures? Turkey vultures. Sometimes I'll catch um, a cardinal in the neighborhood. And where are you on your birding journey? Well, I'm at a point now where... Queen of the birds. <laughs> I am... Moira yes, Rose in I'm her nest. I'm just the crow winning. Mm-hmm. No, but for real, I do really love crows. Mm-hmm. I have started to try and make friends with crows in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like this crow scientist that I follow, she was like, here is how you can start to engage with the crows in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. which is basically like, here's the type of food you could leave out. Mm-hmm. She recommended like getting dog food and like getting it very wet, like soaking it and then just leaving it out and walking away. She was like and that's then the birds the crows will start to understand that you're someone who leaves things out for them Mm. so i did start doing that i live in you know a small city so i do have like a ledge i have started to make friends with them i guess i started by like trying to get to know the birds in my neighborhood i would go out on lots of long walks in the morning prior to starting work and then i would bring my binoculars then i got to a point where i really wanted to start taking good pictures Mm -hmm. of them and so i had to get a camera in order to do that so now i'd consider myself an amateur bird photographer you're an elevated grackle an elevated grackle, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. So I do like going out, bringing my camera early in the morning and taking photographs mm-hmm. of them. I just think it's so much fun. Yeah. The birds in my neighborhood, I also have a lot of starlings, a lot of sparrows, common finches, some chickadees sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have like a nest of ravens that does... They come back like once a year. Like I've noticed like in the spring, these two ravens will like come back to their nest, which is near my building. For a minute, they had it above my my unit. And I was absolutely like, I was like, I am, I've been um, brought into the raven family. <laughs> I am now a raven. Queen like, raven. Not queen raven, mm-hmm. but I serve them now. But I definitely felt like I was one with them in that way, mm-hmm. in a very strange way. I live near a river, so th- we get more birds because a of that of reason. Well, not just waterfowl, but other birds just who gather near rivers. Like red-winged blackbirds are mm-hmm. always by the water. Not to be confused with Baltimore Orioles. And, correct. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Orioles, which I don't see much of in my yeah. neighborhood. We do have waterfowl. We have lots of um, some egrets, some great blue heron are out and about around a lot. And then there's also like a family of American kestrels, which have a nest near the river, which mm-hmm. are like the smallest form of falcon. Oh. So I see them from time to time and they are gorgeous. Obviously, too, we get a lot of cardinals and a lot of blue jays. Yeah. It's always nice to see them. I've heard purple martins. We do have um, a red-tailed hawk that will come in and the crows will mm-hmm. lose their mind. Yeah. I mean, well, technically mm-hmm. speaking, in that moment, it, I think it's considered a crow funeral when they are like, if a red-tailed hawk or any kind of predatory animal has taken a crow and, like, you know, eaten it, then the crows, like, make this procession it's not a procession but it's this loud sound that is like echoing throughout like you can hear it everywhere yeah and it's they're sort of like they're danny boy the well kind of like yeah. the crow scientists are like they research it to say like they're curious to know if it is not just like a warning to the other birds nearby but also perhaps an expression of grief mm. so things they're studying hmm. so it's fascinating they're yeah. fascinating yeah Hey, everybody, we are actively planning our hiking for this year. And so you know what that means. Our moon travel guides are out and about. We're marking them up and we're writing in all of our notes. We sincerely love them and we use moon travel guides all the time. 
Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because their authors are real people who live in and know the areas they're writing about like the back of their hand. And we can trust them. From hikes to campsites to city sites to restaurants, Moon Travel has you covered. So ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed out abroad, planning to take on the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. And through the end of 2024, our listeners can exclusively get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when you go to moon.com. Use the code GAZE24 at checkout. That's right. That is moon.com and use code GAZE24. And that's G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon Travel Guide in Moon's entire library at moon.com. And that is exclusively for GAZE listeners. Hey, everybody, we are actively planning our hiking for this year. And so you know what that means. Our moon travel guides are out and about. We're marking them up and we're writing in all of our notes. We sincerely love them and we use moon travel guides all the time. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because their authors are real people who live in and know the areas they're writing about like the back of their hand. And we can trust them. From hikes to campsites to city sites to restaurants, Moon Travel has you covered. So ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed out abroad, planning to take on the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon travel guide with you. And through the end of 2024, our listeners can exclusively get 20% off any Moon travel guide when you go to moon.com. Use the code GAZE24 at checkout. That's right. That is moon.com and use code GAZE24. And that's G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon Travel Guide in Moon's entire library at moon.com. And that is exclusively for GAZE listeners. Now let's talk about birding in Big Bend National Park. Little did we know that when we were planning our trip to Big Bend National Park, that it is in fact one of the biggest birding hotspots, not just of the national parks, but in the land also called the United States. People come from all over the world to Big Bend specifically to look at birds. It has over 450 native and migratory birds that come through Big Bend every year. And I just want to quickly shout out our friend and author, Becky Lomax, who encouraged me to get my really good camera with a good zoom lens prior to going to Big Bend National Park, and I'm really glad she encouraged me to do that. There are so many different kinds of birds that can be seen in Big Bend. Some birds nest in trees, some don't build nests at all. Some are ground nesters, some like the peaks. However, a water source is always a good place to find birds, and there are many spots around Big Bend that are near water, mostly because of the Rio Grande. 
Here are some spots that the NPS recommends. First up is Rio Grande Village, particularly the Nature Trail. Around 305 birds have been spotted here. Another spot is the Cottonwood Campground, which is on the way to Santa Elena Canyon. Around 248 different species of birds have been spotted here. Another spot is Dugout Wells. This is a desert oasis area, and around 195 species of birds have been spotted here. Sam Nail Ranch and Blue Creek are also popular birding spots in Big Bend National Park. Another hot spot here is the Chisos Mountains. There are different birds at different elevations when hiking in the Chisos. Some birds fly so high that you have to get up really high in the mountains to see them, which brings us to one particular bird, the Kalima Warbler. We heard a lot about the Kalima Warbler while we were in Big Bend. If you look into birding in Big Bend, you will definitely find out about the Kalima Warbler pretty quickly. Big Bend is the only spot in the land, also called the United States, where you might see Kalima Warblers. They are mostly found in Mexico. Kalima Warblers can be seen in Big Bend between April and August. We were there in early April, but there have been no Kalima sightings reported yet. And we did not see any Kalimas ourselves while we were there. I forgot to tell you that I snuck off and met with them. You did. You, <laughs> you had a little secret meeting secret with the Kalimas. Secret seance with the Kalimas. That's mm-hmm. So we could be here for hours telling you every bird you might be able to see in Big Bend. So we're not going to do that. But we are going to share some of them and encourage you to look up all the different birds you might be able to see while visiting Big Bend National Park. Okay, so let's talk about the birds that we did see while hiking in Big Bend. Right off the bat, when we drove in from the airport in the rental car from El Paso, this is the moment you were mentioning earlier, Mm -hmm. we saw great-tailed grackle and boat-tailed grackle. These are really common. Elevated grackle. (laughs) Elevated grackle. They're really common, and um, they were just like on the highway. Mm -hmm. I had never seen them before, so I was like, oh my God, what are those? Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) I was like, eyes on the road, please. Um, In our first hike in Big Bend, which was the Lost Mine Trail, we didn't really see any birds. However, it is possible to see birds on that trail. It just wasn't in the cards for us that day. The first birds we saw came on the next trail we did that day, which was the window trail. We saw a Says Phoebe closer to the visitor center. This could easily be confused with a Kalima warbler. Okay, so let's talk about the Says Phoebe. So we saw it. I got a great photo of it. We definitely had a moment of like, oh my God, is that a Klima? Now, a seasoned birder, a birder who's been burdened for longer than you or I have. Birding or burdened? (laughs) (laughs) Well, would probably see that and know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. But since we were early on in our journey, it would make sense for us to look at a SACE-VB and get curious about Mm -hmm. if it were a Klima warbler. That's the whole journey. It's sure. about seeing curiosity. and learning and curiosity and asking questions. Mm-hmm. So took a photo of it. And what we had talked about in the visitor center, because I got a checklist, a birding checklist from the visitor center. And the ranger was super nice, super kind. And she was a birder. Mm-hmm. And so she was telling me, you know, some spots to go to to see some things. She said nobody had seen or reported any right. claims yet. So, um, but she said, usually you have to go up really, really high in order to see them. Specifically, like the Chisos Mountains is what she was referring to. So I was like, huh, this bird is by the visitor center. I wonder what bird this is. It's easily confused because both of them are grayish birds with like yellow under feathers. But when you look at them side by side, you can tell that they're different. So after the hike, I went in, showed her the photo, and she was able to identify it for me as the Says Phoebe. I do feel like Says Phoebe is, could be um, a band akin to like Letters to Cleo. Oh. 
<laughs> says Phoebe. Like okay. I know it's pronounced says Phoebe. Yeah. But it does have that feel to it. For it me. does. Yeah. Certainly. We saw a ton of Mexican Jays on our hike for the window trail. So let's talk about this because this was kind of wild and magical. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I felt like it was a moment in a film where like the animals are coming to guide you. And oh, like yeah. it felt very we I don't think I've been close to birds like that before that aren't afraid of you really and then right. are just like oh hey I'm coming to hang out like yeah. and I don't care that you're here That's like right. every other bird I feel like is oh there's a big thing with two legs let Fly me away. get out of here yeah. right yeah yeah no they were um we saw the first one while we were sitting right at the window um it came and sat in it down next to me I couldn't get my phone out or my camera out fast enough to take a photo of it. But then on the way back, we stopped at a little bench and about four of them showed up. Yeah, we were under a tree, um, like not that far away from the window. They just were like everywhere. But we quickly came to find out that they're social birds. So it wasn't atypical for there to be so many of them together and for them to just be like hanging out next to us. Yeah. N- near humans. Yeah. And then... While on the window trail, we saw this brownish bird on a rock. And I didn't get a great photo of the bird, but um, I was determined to figure out what it was. And it has taken me months to identify this bird. But I did. I finally figured out this morning, actually, from studying the photos and from looking through all of the apps and the guides. And I was finally able to identify it as a canyon towhee. Oh, I mean, not the most uncommon of birds in the area, but I wanted to know what it was. It had a bit of orange on its tail feather and it, um, and also orange on the top of its head. And it could be confused with some other towies, but alas, a canyon towie. So after the window trail, we hiked the Chihuahuan Desert Nature Trail, which is over near Dugout Wells. While we were walking around here, this is also a hot spot for birds. There is this really cool sort of reddish gray bird that one can see in Big Bend National Park called a Pyroloxia. I think that's how we're pronouncing it. I could be wrong. But um, it's a really fun looking bird. And there was a moment where one flew by. And I did point this out, but there were no photos. There were no nothing. But yeah. I could just tell from the like the head feather because mm-hmm. it has a very specific head feather mm-hmm. and it flew into a tree. We weren't able to really see it again. Yeah. The next day in Big Bend, we hiked the South Rim Trail where we saw a lot more birds, including a black Phoebe. There were two and they were talking to each other from opposite sides of the trail. We also saw a spotted towhee, dark-eyed junco, which those are everywhere, and um, some kind of vireo. Okay, so we actually saw quite a few vireos Mm -hmm. as we got higher. And there are a lot of different kinds of vireos, particularly here in Big Bend. Tiny little birds. They sing really, really loudly. Their calls are very, very loud. There were quite a few of them up, like higher in elevation. And as we mentioned in episode 108, we saw a common raven. So we had a very interesting interaction with a common raven in Mm -hmm. Big Bend National Park. An ominous interaction, if you will. A very ominous interaction. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we had just gotten to like the apex of the South Rim Trail. We had hiked all the way up the Chisos. Through the um, Laguna Meadows Trail. And we got to the sort of like the big gorgeous view at the end of or in the middle of the South Rim Trail. And then we were headed down to Boot Canyon. Yeah, we were headed toward the Boot Canyon Mm -hmm. Trail Juncture. And as we were walking up, 
we had stopped to look over a ledge and we saw a bunch of birds kind of riding the the wind down to the ledge area, like a little lower than what we were able to access. And we just watched them kind of glide down and we started to hike again. As we turned around, we watched a bird fly from that ledge area up over us and I it was, was a common it was raven. a common raven i was like what is in its mouth and it was a snake it was the snake mm-hmm. the thing had a yellow snake in its mouth mm-hmm. and we managed to get it on video yeah and we watched it fly off it flew into a tree with the snake in its mouth i'd say it was probably maybe like a like a one foot snake. It wasn't a very big snake, no. small snake, but it took that whole thing in its mouth, not yeah. even in its talons no. off over to a tree. It yeah. Was like, well, Ciao. it's going to eat well later. Ciao, baby. And the next day when we hiked Santa Elena Canyon, we saw greater roadrunners on the road. And then on the trail, we saw turkey vultures who were perched or roosting and not soaring overhead. Usually that's the only time we see them is in the air. We also saw white winged doves who... Um, Northern Cardinals and Bell's Vireo. Okay, so let's talk about this Bell's Vireo that we saw. Mm-hmm. It was so loud. We had to wade in the water across. It was like an estuary of the Rio, the Rio Grande. It wasn't Rio Grande proper. In order to get yeah. to the trail. So mm-hmm. it was like, we ha- we it was like waist deep. So we yeah. had to take all or of... high thigh for... For, for us tall gals, it was like high thigh. It was high thigh. Yeah, but for some people, it would definitely be waist deep. Or more. Yeah. And um, we had to do that in order to get to the other side, mm-hmm. in order to the trail. Glad we did it, certainly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But this little Belsvirio was sitting in a tree, and it was it was singing, yeah. and it was so loud. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all that sound is coming out of that little tiny bird right over there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was still there on our way back. Yeah. I remember like snapping at you on the trail, because I was ahead of you, and being like, there's a bird over there. It was and a, like, and it was, it was a just a cardinal, but because you were playing around with your camera, so that's right. I was okay. So here are some birds from my list that I'm dying to see that are possible to see in Big Ben that we didn't see. Okay, so one is a green heron. I love these because they kind of look like muppets. They're in the heron family, mm-hmm. so they don't. Their necks aren't as long, okay. but they're sort of stouter. Okay, um, black hawks, which literally look like like a red tail hawk mm-hmm. except they're all, all black. black scott's oriole which sort of looks like a baltimore oriole except instead of orange it's yellow oh um a vermilion flycatcher mm-hmm. and a summer tanager both which are red mm-hmm. the summer tanager is like almost fully red and then the vermilion flycatcher has some black okay it's like red and black painted bunting which could be my favorite bird it's just like a whole bunch of colors Mm -hmm. there's one called a yellow-breasted chat which is sort of this like light brown grayish bird but then has a bright yellow breast Mm -hmm. blue grosbeak one could see one around here probably Mm -hmm. but um they are uh mostly sort of a cobalt blue mm, okay with some black on the feathers and then the lucifer hummingbird mm. <laughs> well i mean uh-huh. how did you not like just deign that my bird type well, at the beginning which one can see here in <laughs> uh big bend but it's got like uh it's a hummingbird but down its neck and into its breast it is bright like almost Fire neon red. purple. Oh, purple. But a like bright lighter hmm. purple, like a fuchsia almost. And that's some of them just to name a few. The sources for today's trail mix include the National Park Service, Audubon.org, 
The article in the heart of the desert, Big Bend National Park is a birder's paradise by Drew Stewart from marfapublicradio.org and the article A Bird's Eye View by Melanie D.G. Kaplan published by the National Parks Conservation Association. And let's end this trail mix with a game. Great. All right, Mike. We haven't um, played a, this game in a long time. Okay. So this game is, is it a bird in Big Bend National Park or did I make it up? Great. Okay, great. So I'm going to give you the name of a bird. Mm-hmm. And, or is it? Or, <laughs> or it, do I? Or do I? <laughs> and then you have to tell me if it is actually a bird or okay. if it's not a bird. Great. That one would find in Big Bend. This makes sense. I will say if they are actually birds, they will be birds that are found in Big Bend. Great. Great. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. There's like 12 of them. Okay. Here we go for the first one. Hammerhead quail. Not a bird. Correct. Not a bird. Loggerhead shrike. That's a bird. That is correct. Mm -hmm. That's a bird. Black-chinned sparrow. That's a bird. Correct. That's a bird. Oh my God. (laughs) Three for three. Ready for number four? (laughs) Black-throated sparrow. That is a bird. Correct. That is a bird. Emily thrush. That is a bird. Incorrect. That's not a bird. Okay. Okay. The next one. Wilson's snipe. That's a bird. Correct. That's a bird. Okay. Abraham's sparrow. That is not a bird. Correct. That's not a bird. There is a Lincoln sparrow, though. Okay. Wood duck. That's a bird. Correct. That's a bird. Harriet Harrier. That's not a bird. Correct. That's not a bird. <laughs> American widgeon. That's a bird. That's right. Lesser goldfinch. That is a bird. That is correct. That's a bird. Rufus hummingbird. That's a bird. That's right. It is a bird. And finally, the last one, Anna's hummingbird. That's not a bird. Incorrect. That Damn. is a bird. So I was good. I only had you, two wrong. You. That was a really good job. Thank you. I'm very impressed. It's because my knowledge has surpassed yours. This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard, Dustin Ballard, (laughs) and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the national parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gaze at the national parks.com. And that's gaze, G A Z E. All original artwork featured on Instagram and on our website is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman and Mariella Klinger with Sean Sklios on guitar. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording, this episode that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Middlesex County, New Jersey. 